Our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. All right. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another session of Strength to Strength Sisters. We're so excited to have everyone here. We love to see your faces, so if you have the courage, you can turn on your video and say hi. Um, the vision of Strength to Strength Sisters is to encourage women to be catalysts in advancing the kingdom through biblical teaching, testimonies of faithful women, and thought-provoking discussions. My name is Linda Ament, and I am coming to you today from Boston, Massachusetts. I want to welcome Kayla Rogers from New Hampshire. She lives in a fairly log-style home in the woods of New Hampshire with her husband and three little boys, three very sweet little boys. Kayla comes from a broken upbringing to a life of passionately serving those around her, first of all, Christ and those around her. We've been in Kayla's home, Jonathan and Kayla's home, and we've been very blessed by their passion, just their fire for Christ and his kingdom and the church. So blessed by that. I've been very blessed to have my path in life crossing with Kayla's and to be a friend of hers. Her sourdough is amazing. So this call will be recorded today for our YouTube and podcast platforms, but you will not be recorded unless you turn on your video or your speaker. As I said before, we love to see your faces. After the call, there will be a time for you to share your thoughts, inspirations, questions, whatever you would like to say with Kayla. And we would love to hear from you if you have something to share. So we're going to start by praying for Kayla before she speaks. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your mercy and we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you for what you have done in Kayla's life. As she has fallen upon your rock, the rock Christ Jesus. We just thank you for her passion for your kingdom and for serving you. I ask that you would give her a special grace today in the next hour as she speaks to us and that you would fill her heart again with the fire and passion that was in there when she found you. Just bless her at home, bless her, bless her husband and as he's caring for the little boys and Madison with the baby. Just be especially near her and give her words, fill her with your spirit and give her calmness. Thank you again for being with us. We ask that you would be with each one on this talk today. That your presence would be among us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Linda, for having me and thinking of me and praying for me, especially praying for me. I am so thankful to be here and I am just in awe and in honor to yeah, just talk with everyone today and yeah, to just share how the Lord has blessed me and has encouraged me and brought me out of just the world's clutches and Satan's clutches. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I have the ability to be here and yeah, just to, to give God the glory. So Starting out, I come from a background of um, 
just in the world, there was little to no, actually no Christian influence, not much talk of Jesus or God, or I know of them, but, or knew of them as a child, but there wasn't, it wasn't a godly home. And yeah, I, I'm so thankful God has created me to be a daughter, a wife, a mother, things that I just feel that I never could have done without him. (laughs) I feel that, um, I feel so unworthy of the children I have, the husband I have and just God's grace. And yeah, his blessings are so abundant in my life. And yeah, to, to know the brokenness that I come from and where it starts. And yeah, so I'll share about that. Um, and so I, my parents lived over in Western mass when they had me in, um, I want to say back in, 1996. (laughs) And I, my parents quickly realized that parenthood was very hard and very challenging. And I was the only child. And my mother actually decided that she wanted to leave my father for another man. And so that was a really hard time. Um, I was three when that had happened. My parents separated and I ended up being shifted quickly to living with my dad and my, his sister at the time. And, um, and my mother was living with a new man. And so I didn't get to see her too much. I spent a lot of time with my dad, which was a wonderful time, a great time of bonding. And yeah, I just felt like I was able to, um, see his hurt, even though I was a three-year-old little girl, I, I felt like I was able to see how much pain that caused him with my mom leaving and it broke his heart and, um, it stuck with me. And by the age of five, my dad met my stepmom and then my mom ended up taking me back in. So I then moved in with her, her boyfriend and, um, not very far away from my dad and my dad ended up moving in with my stepmom. And so quickly things shifted really fast. And I now had a new stepsister a new male figure in my life and I barely saw my dad. And so the safety and security I felt with spending time with my dad kind of shifted really fast to my mother who um, I felt loved me and still loves me. And we, we have definitely a relationship now that I, I only know is because God is in my life and she and I have walked a very difficult path, but she has, she is there for me. She is. And I'm thankful for our relationship now, but moving forward, um, the man that my mom had decided to leave my dad for was an abusive man. And they ended up, um, unfortunately having a very tumultuous relationship. And as a five, six, seven, eight year old little girl living with them, it, became like a very volatile environment. And I then was watching my parents go through a really messy divorce. My stepmom um, had kind of was kind of the catalyst for the divorce and separating things. And it was a really difficult time as, you know, a young little girl to start out my be just start out my life, having my only security be in my dad, then shift to my mom and then watch as 
my whole life crumbled in front of me. Um, I ended up going through um, many different homes with them. And so my mom ended up moving after their divorce settled. She moved to Vermont and she moved me and her boyfriend into a basically a hunting cabin without plumbing, without heating. Well, it had a stove. Um, so it had electricity hooked up to it, um, but no plumbing, no bathroom, no heating. And um, it was basically a shack. Um, in the middle of March, she pulled me out of school. I was going to public school at the time. She pulled me out of school and she said, this is our new home. This is where we're going to live and we're going to build it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> And so I watched as almost every other day they would fight and scream and yell. And um, just I learned this deep fear and loneliness that being the only child watching this relationship just unfold and just be so chaotic. There was no stability in my life. I would see my dad every other weekend um, based on their divorce settlement and we would spend time for a few hours, I would go and stay at their house, but my dad would go out. Um, my stepmom is, um, my stepmom is a, she's been a really wonderful woman and I'm thankful for our relationship now. I'm very thankful that she's forgiven me and I've forgiven her and we've gotten to a good place. Um, but she unfortunately struggles a lot with alcohol. And so they would go out on Friday nights and Saturday nights. And so she would spend most of Sunday hungover. And so, um, what we would do, my dad and I would end up when I would stay there, we would go out and do fun things. Like we'd go to museums and we'd go to, um, parks and just do really fun things. So I, I have fond memories of that. Um, but watching someone, you know, drink like that, I just thought it was normal. I had, you know, no idea that, Oh, sleeping in bed all day wasn't normal. Um, when I would go there. So yeah, it definitely, in this place, I felt that there was no one I could turn to. I was a quiet child. My parents always told me I was an easy child because I stuffed my emotions. I didn't necessarily make a fuss because I knew that it would be a fight or someone would be angry with me or it would turn into screaming and yelling. And so I I felt that, you know, in this time, it's better to stay quiet because someone won't get mad at me or won't yell at me or won't be my fault. And so that's carried with me as I've gotten older and has really crippled me. And I'm so thankful for God's just protection and also um, his word, because I wouldn't be able to have healthy relationships. <laughs> um, but I ended up um, around 14, I ended up, um, so from eight to 14, I spent time with my mom and her boyfriend, um, primarily watching them build this house. I went back to, to, to public school. And so I went to a Catholic school at this point, that was the closest school to us. And so my mom enrolled me in a Catholic school. So I started to learn about the Pope and, Catholicism. And this is my first real memory of anything involved with the Lord. And although it was something that um, 
was very nuanced with the Pope and everything. I remember being in a third grade class and asking, who's the Pope? And everyone turned at me and gasped because I was in Catholic school. Everyone knew about the Pope. <laughs> but I didn't because I didn't come from any religion. Um, my parents are pretty atheistic um, and still are. But I felt a sense of peace there, um, just being with people and I met friends there and really quickly saw, okay, there's something good about Jesus. And I I think, you know, he seems peaceful. And so I took that with me. I ended up leaving that Catholic school and going into high school. I decided to move in with my dad and I ended up, um, moving in with him at 14 and my stepmom just to try things out. I know ne- I lived with him when I was five years old. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see what it's like. Maybe my stepmom's changed, you know, things are growing great every other weekend. So why not? I'll try it. Immediately I move in and I fall in love with public school. I have, you know, the best of friends. I, you know, meet a boyfriend and quickly fall into the temptation of sexual sin. And I went into this relationship not knowing, you know, I was a young 14-year-old girl. I didn't know what love was, what care and compassion were. Um, I just knew fighting and screaming and anger. And so um, that boyfriend ended up being abusive to me. And so I ended up going through this really rocky emotional time of becoming a teenager, learning, you know, about myself and being this young woman and then having to deal with emotions of a relationship and watching my own relationships crumble around me with my parents. And so I would spend most of my times either at my boyfriend's house or I'd spend my time at my friend's houses because I just felt more comfortable there. I didn't want to be home. I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't feel close to my family. And so I ended up going back to my mom's (laughs) because the relationship got so toxic that I couldn't get away from it. I just need to leave. And so I moved back with my mom at around 14, 15 ish. And then I went to the high school there and fell into the same temptations of sexual sin and, um, partying, drinking, alcohol, drugs. And I, um, was totally focused on myself. I focused only on myself. I only wanted to please myself. I didn't want to respect my parents. They would tell me to do something. I'd do the opposite. I just didn't want, I just was angry with them. I was angry that they just let me do whatever I wanted. They didn't give me rules and responsibility and structure. So I just did whatever I wanted. I said, okay, if I'm going to live the way I want to live, great. I'm going to do whatever I want. And it caused so much pain, so much pain for myself, for others. I, I didn't treat people well. I didn't take care of people. I didn't, I didn't respect my parents. I didn't find their authority respectful. I just, I took advantage of them and people around me. And I was so selfish, so, so selfish. And I knew 
that I wasn't a good person. I felt it inside. I knew that I was just terrible and I just wanted, I just wanted to feel something. I didn't want to feel alone and I never wanted to be alone. That's why I always had to have a boyfriend or whatever. I just wanted to be around people all the time because I was lonely and I knew I was lost, but I didn't know why I felt this. There wasn't anyone speaking into my life about Christ. There wasn't anyone speaking to my life about even a meaning. I just felt like life was meaningless. So I'm going to live the way I want. And I failed my classes. I would stay out late, did whatever I wanted, snuck out, did anything and everything. And at that point, both of my parents were in new relationships. My mom had left her previous abusive boyfriend, moved in with a different guy and um, who's now actually my stepdad and would be gone nights, weekends. I was just there to fend for myself at home. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move in back with my dad. Great. My dad said, you're not moving in with me. I can't handle you. I don't know where you're going to go. So both my parents were fed up with me, done with me at the age of 15 years old. And so I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I don't know where to go. I'm 15. So I actually moved in with friends. And in one of one of my friends' families was like, hey, we'll take her in. Um, and this was the first time I felt like, okay, no one cares about me, about my life, about anything because I've created this. I've created a monster. I've created myself and no one wants to be around it. Um, except for the friends that I devoted so much time and energy to because they felt like family to me. Um, and so very quickly after I moved in with my friends, I ended up, um, my dad actually moved to Florida. So took off, sold, actually they didn't sell their house. They just foreclosed on it, sold everything and said, Hey, we're going to Florida. Bye. This was right at 15 years old, a very, very, very difficult um, age to be in um, as a young girl. And my dad leaving, my mom wanting nothing to do with me. I just felt like uh, I have nothing. I have no one. And this is when I started to seek, still seeking relationships in the world, still seeking pleasure in the world. And then deciding, you know what? I'm just not going to eat. And I'm just going to focus on all of my sports. I played lacrosse. I played basketball. I played, I skied. Um, I ran. I trying to think of anything else. That's primarily the sports I did in high school. And I constantly had to be busy with friends. I constantly had to be doing stuff. And I just was like, you know what? I'm just not going to eat. Maybe someone will care about me then. I dove so deep as a 15-year-old in my sophomore year in high school into this deep, selfish, now thin um, child. I just, I would hide in my room and just do obsessive crunches. And then if I was sitting at home alone in my friend's house, I would go out for miles and miles of runs, come back and just be so exhausted and so faint that I couldn't stand. I just had to lay down. And I got sickly thin. My mom would come every once in a while and she would check in on me. And she like took me out shopping one time and she was like, you know, do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah, I'll come back. You care? Sure. That sounds great. I'd love for you to take me back in again. This sounds amazing. And I, um, my mom ended up taking me back in, back into Vermont. And I started working at the preschool that she was working at, um, just voluntary. And 
I still continue with my eating disorder. It was the only thing that gave me what I felt like meaning. I felt like, okay, like I could focus on myself in this way and be very thin and just not eat. And maybe someone would care. I got so thin that there was a woman that her daughter actually had a new disorder that worked with her. And she ended up saying, Hey, Kayla's really, really thin. I think you should take her to the doctor. And my mom was like, she's fine. What do you mean? She's just a young girl. So she took me in. I got an assessment and I was basically what happened when they checked my pulse and my heart rate is they, um, they stood me up quickly and then sat me back down, stood me up, sat me back down and my pulse could not recover fast enough. And if I can remember correctly, um, I forget the terminology that they use. Um, and so my pulse couldn't recover enough that I almost passed out. And they're like, she needs to be admitted to the hospital. My mom's like, what? (laughs) You doesn't need to go to the hospital. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, like she's really sick. She needs to go to the hospital. (laughs) And so that's when I couldn't start junior year of high school. I couldn't go back to see my friends that I all had left and became my family. They're like, where are you? What are you doing? I got my phone taken away. I got everything taken away from me. I went inpatient in a hospital actually over here in Boston. Uh, It's called wild and behavioral care. And, um, I'll tell you a full circle story after this, but there I met a dietitian, a registered dietitian, and she was the first person to sit me down and to say, Kayla, you're killing yourself. You're going to die the way you're going. You need to stop this. I don't care what you have to do. You need to remember that you're, this is your life. This is who you are and you're going to die you're going to die and you're not going to survive this. If you keep going down this road, I was five, seven or eight at like next to nothing. I think I was like maybe 80 or 90 pounds. I was tiny. And at that point, someone believed in me. Someone cared about me enough to speak into my life and say, Hey, wake up, you're going to die. And so after that, I just said enough's enough. I'm going to start caring about myself I got out of inpatient, started going outpatient. And so at this point, I got my GED. Um, I started college classes. I was 16 now. And I ended up um, going to college and saying, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to Florida. I'm going to try to rekindle my relationship with my dad. (laughs) So I go at the age of 17 years old, move down to Florida. (laughs) At this point, I'm healing, I'm doing better, I'm recovering. Um, I start to feel better about myself. But then once I get to Florida, I live on my own, go all into the same sins, get right into going out, drinking, partying, boys, anything. I just wanted to feel again. And I was alone and I could do whatever I wanted. I was free. I lived on my own. I was working and going to college and doing all this. And in that time, I met one of my friends and she had left a church and decided to go into the world. And so we became fast friends. We lived, she lived right behind my apartment. And so we met at a party and we just became really fast friends, hung out all the time, just went to parties together. And about two months into hanging out, she was like, hey, I'm actually going to go back to church. And I was like, you went to church? (laughs) I couldn't believe it, but she went to church and I was like, Hey, she was like, do you want to come with me? And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I, 
I'm not, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for that. And she was like, well, there's these Bible talks that they do for college students. I was like, Hey, that sounds great. I think I should go to that. I didn't want to go to Sundays. And so for the first time I walked in to this church, um, Bible study, and I can just remember feeling, I still can remember feeling the love 10 years ago now, just this overwhelming love and these people just coming up to me with this joy and this peace and this compassion for me that I was just, it was just unbelievable. Like after just being in the world with all these people that just couldn't care much about me, I felt for the first time, wow, these people care about me. These people, there's something about, about this church for the first time. And we all sit down and everyone starts opening a Bible this is the first time I've ever opened a Bible. I don't know what John is. I don't know what any of these books mean. I don't know what the New Testament, Old Testament, nothing. It sat up on a pedestal when I went to um, like the Catholic school that I went to when we'd go to mass. And so we ended up, um, I didn't, they're just telling me to flip to these things. I was like, scripture, like three, one, I don't even know. So I had her help me. But after that, I just kept going and kept going and kept going to these midweeks that these these college students would have. And I fell in love with scripture. I fell in love for the first time. I felt like I belonged. Like I knew that there was something about Jesus. There was something that I mattered. Fast forward to July of 2013. I actually went to my first Sunday service that my future husband had gone to as well. We had no idea, never met there, but we went to the same Sunday. It was my first Sunday ever that I went to this church. (laughs) And he thought he saw me. I thought I saw him. We joke about it now. But um, yeah, we, it's amazing to think back. I started studying the Bible then with this girl that ended up getting restored and coming back to, to Christ. And I became a Christian and left I did a complete 180. I left all my friends, all my relationships, the drinking, the partying, everything. I left it all. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is my new life. This is who I am. I am a daughter of Christ. I, I'm devoting everything to you, Jesus. I have nothing. I have nothing at the foot of your cross. Just take me and make me whole. I just want to feel loved. And I felt loved. I felt for the first time that I mattered to Jesus. And that's all that mattered to me. I felt so filled up and so whole, like this warm and fuzzy feeling that I felt was so completely overwhelming and so beautiful. And so this, I ended up moving back um, up North to my mom and by this point in 2014, I ended up, I was part of the church. I had been baptized back in September of 2013. And so I was a new young Christian and I ended up um, meeting my now husband um, at a church campus retreat. And so we were part of the ICOC way back when. And so he was at college, I was at college and we had met at this campus retreat actually up in Waterville Valley New Ham- in New Hampshire. And Quickly, we um, decided to start talking and went on and on dates. And we quickly just fell deeply, deeply in love very, very fast. And um, we ended up falling into temptation and we would go on this vicious cycle of feeling bad about falling into sin, 
then repenting, talking to people, getting open about it, talking. And then like this repetitive cycle of we should have been married. We should have been married. We needed to be married and we needed to just figure it out as a married couple. And we ended up waiting two and a half years into our relationship to get married. And it, it really broke my heart. I felt as a young Christian, I knew was so new in the faith. I didn't know. I just, I felt like my relationship was worldly. I felt worldly. I didn't know what to do. And at this point, I'm still going to college. I get into my program to become a registered dietitian and I am still going to college classes. I'm still working at a hospital and I'm now in a relationship that feels just like my husband, but it wasn't. And we were told that, no, you got to finish school, finish school. You got to have a career. You got to do, you know, this, 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 and this, then get married. And we're like, okay, we should have gotten married. And looking back on it, we both agree that it was something that God took us through the most incredible revolution for me because I needed to heal. I needed to heal internally. I needed to know that it was safe. I needed to know that the man that I was going to marry was going to bring me closer to Christ. And he most certainly does that man. I feel so unworthy to be married to him. And he, every single day calls me higher and he tells me, you know, the things that I do wrong and the things that I need to grow in. And uh, the Lord speaks through him and he speaks so deeply through him. Um, when I mess up, I know that my husband will admonish me and share with me, you know, these are the scriptures you need to look to. And it has called me so much higher and it has called me so much closer to my Lord and savior. And I know that my relationship will help me get to Christ. Um, and I know that God knew I needed to go through all these things and meet my husband, Jonathan, because he wants me to get to heaven <laughs> and I wasn't going to change. And so I'm so thankful for that. Even to this day, any, any little thing I go through, it's just, it's just so funny sometimes, but I'm just so thankful. And so fast forward, I, we get married I go on birth control because I'm now in my program. I'm now going through my rotations to become a registered dietitian. And I, I'm like, I can't have a baby right now. No way. <laughs> and I, we just went through the most difficult first year of marriage because of, you know, preventing pregnancy. And I had such severe pain of jealousy and not turning towards God and knowing that I needed God, but I need to focus on my career and focus on everything else. When in reality, I didn't, I needed, I needed to focus on my, my relationship with Christ and my relationship with my husband and to have a baby. I needed to not prevent this anymore. And so after I finished all of my schooling, I finally said, you know what, let's have a baby. <laughs> let's, let's have a baby. And so I was told by many people, it takes time. It takes time. It did not take time. I quickly had a baby quickly got pregnant. And I was like, am I ready for this? I, I thought I was going to have eight months. I had no idea. Am I ready for this? I remember sitting there. I collapsed when I saw that pregnancy test. And I knew that I was going to be saved through childbearing. I knew I was because I was living for myself. I was living a false lie of going to school, getting my career and doing all these things that meant nothing. It meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. When I ended up giving birth to my baby, we had gone through a different church. We ended up 
finding out, um, we had someone in our small group, um, that ended up leaving and we were like, why are you leaving? And so he was like, Hey, I'll meet with you. Uh, he ended up meeting with Jonathan and had given him this book called King Jesus claims his church. And it was by Finney Caravella. And, um, my husband devoured that book so fast would read hundreds of pages, like literally like just sit there all night and just read these pages, read these pages over and over again. Kayla, look at this. Kayla, look at this. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm pregnant. I'm working in my field. <laughs> I'm like new to all of this. I never wore, I mean, I wore a dress to occasions. I always wore pants and leggings. I wore makeup. I wore jewelry. I had a beautiful wedding ring. I wore earrings. I had long flowing hair. I never even knew what a head covering even was and anything about modesty really. So coming from my background and I, we were learning about all this stuff for the first time, worldly entertainment, my clothing, my dress, my ability to be pure and use my body as a temple and not make others um, fall into temptation because of the way I looked and flaunting my body and flaunting things. And so I read first Corinthians 11. I said, Jonathan, this is a command. I need to, I need to start doing this. Like he was, he showed me, we read the passages. We watched a head covering um, YouTube video. I don't know how many times <laughs> I was like, I think I need to do this. I think I need to do this. And I ended up asking my father-in-law who are, they're basically like my parents. They're so wonderful to me. They're so amazing to me. And I respect them. They've been my family and he's a pastor. And I said, Hey, do you, do you mind talking to me about this? This looks like it's, it's a command. Like, I think I should be following this. I don't think I should have long flowing hair anymore. And he's like, no, 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 that's, that's, that used to be the times. Like that was cultural. Like, you don't have to worry about that. You're so, you have beautiful long hair. Like, it's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't sound right. And so I'm, I'm very close to giving birth to my first baby. We start going to a new church we're going to two different church services. So we're going to church all day. I'm heavily pregnant. I start wearing the head covering. I start taking off my jewelry. I start not wearing makeup. I start, I quit my job. I literally quit my job. Everything that I worked for, for the last however many years, I quit my dream job. And I I knew in my heart that I needed to be a wife and a mother and also before, First and foremost, a daughter. I need to be Christ's daughter again. I need to focus on him first and foremost, because that's the only thing that matters in this world. And so we ended up leaving the ICOC and we then just started falling in love with Jesus' teachings. We got rid of our TV. We got rid of our second car. We sold our house. <laughs> we moved into a tiny apartment with this now brand new baby. <laughs> and I'm like, are we crazy? No, we're we're crazy for Christ. <laughs> we, we love Jesus and we want, we want to obey him. And people thought I was out to lunch. <laughs> Kayla, you look Amish. You look like, you look like you're going to jump on a horse and buggy. And I just, I knew that I was obeying Christ. I knew that my son was going to see his mom in a dress every single day because I knew that that was modest, knew I was modest in front of him, knew that he was going to look for a wife someday that wore a dress, hopefully as my example. And I just felt like, wow, I don't have to adorn myself anymore. I, you know, in 
I love, I love that scripture of first Timothy two, 12 and 15, that she'll be saved through childbearing. If she continues in faith, if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. And I was saved. I am saved, richly, richly rewarded through my faith. And I feel like the scales have been just lifted off of my eyes with the most, with leaving everything that I had in the world, it meant nothing. It meant nothing to when I had my son. And now I have two other sons. (laughs) I have three sons. (laughs) And I knew that I wanted to glorify God and I wanted to teach people about Christ. And I knew that that needed to be my mission. I knew that I didn't need to adorn myself, you know, and like in first Peter three, three, don't adorn yourself. You need to have inward beauty, this inward beauty that will radiate in a quiet spirit. So much of this world is so loud. You have to be this strong woman. And I don't want to be strong. I just want to be a wife and a mother. (laughs) And I'm just so, so thankful, so thankful for the opportunities that I've had to walk this life and to fast forward to now with our three little boys and we're just living with our church family up here. We we're a safe haven for two families that need a place to stay right now. They're, they're all living with us and (laughs) we just, we're, we just want to give more than we can receive. So I'm just so thankful that I've been able to share my time and share what God's done in my life. Thank you so much, Kayla. Wow. That made me laugh and cry. <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just feel like it's so exciting to it's so exciting to hear a story like that. And Thank you. you know, and our stories are all equally wonderful. It's just, it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. I just, it's so exciting to me to think about, um, you know, God preparing you and yeah, Uh, it's just amazing. Amen. Yeah. So now we can get on to our question and answer period. If there's anyone that would like to have a question for Kayla or an inspiration or comment, we would love to hear from you. Hi, um, my Hi. name is Teresa. If I may comment, or is there someone else going to go? Okay, um, I'm from uh, the Edmonton area in Alberta, so hello to all the Canadians. And um, I, I had a question. I mean, you know, uh, we're we're just coming out of regular. Protestant churches, and um, uh, many months ago, we, uh, my husband was like, maybe we should look for an Anabaptist church, and the only thing we could find was um, a cute little Mennonite uh, body of believers um, about 49 minutes away from us in Pickardville, and um, they really love the Lord. And they they are sending missionaries to um, to their own Mennonite people, like in Belize and in the like. But anyway, the thing is, is we also we have a heart for missions, and um, we've given a lot for missions, and we've given to groups that are 
they're not Anabaptists. Mm -hmm. But they also really love the Lord. And this college Bible study where you found the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, um, I, I feel that the Lord has, you know, it is, he does a work in us, even in those settings and where we might go, well, oh, they don't wear head coverings and they, they go to movies and they, but you know what? Sometimes we can, like if I, so about five years ago, if I would have, known everything I know now, I might have rejected it. I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. And it seems like the Lord just baby stepped me in this direction, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, are, are they still doing a valid work or are we supposed to be a bunch of Anabaptists? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I personally, I feel that I was flat out from the world. Like I like had no Christian besides like going to Catholic school and like, but never opening the Bible. I was straight off the street. Like I just, I didn't know anything. And so what really inspired me and kept me coming was the people around me in that room, the people around me that exemplified Christ and showed me that it was okay, that it's okay to let your guard down. It's okay to love people. It's okay if someone hurts you because Jesus loves you no matter what. And I knew that, you know, no one was going to judge me. No one was going to hurt me. No one was going to make me feel like I needed to be something or do something because they all love Jesus. And when I started learning about scripture, that's what brought me to learn about scripture was um, because I felt safe. There, there was a place where um, my children just got home <laughs> um, that I felt safe there. And so I felt that, you know, in your setting, you know, if there is people like that, that, you know, go to movies or, you know, do quote unquote worldly things that, you know, they need Jesus too, right? They, they still need that example. And not that they're not going to go to, they're not going to, you know, go to heaven if they watch movies. I think, you know, teaching them about worldly entertainment and just teaching them, God can speak through you. God can speak through your life. God can speak through ha having people in your home. That's one thing that I've noticed a ton is um, the wide variety of people we've had in our home with our children and what people get from that. Um, I have, my oldest is three. So <laughs> I, well, he'll be four in August. And so I, it's, it's a lot. It's, you know, making dinner, taking care of the kids and hosting. So when people look at that and they're like, there's really something to you guys in this, you know, this Bible that you guys keep talking about. <laughs> so that's just my encouragement is have people in your home, no matter what walk of life they are, you know, you never know what you're going to do and say that God's going to work through and just going to really like sit on their hearts. Right. I hope that answered your question. 
we started attending the Mennonite church and I had already been wearing head coverings at home for prayer. Yeah. And it was becoming a real pain. Uh, I would either throw my hoodie over top or, uh, you know, and so I knew I wanted to get a head cover and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then we started going to the Mennonite church. Mm. Um, and I'm like, Oh, I better get something now. And I got some, I'm like, but I don't want to wear those little white thingies. <laughs> so I'm like, um, I like the Hutterite ones. So I decided to get something that looked more Hutterite. And, um, but so I've had some reaction from people in my life since then. I, I decided I'm going to wear it all the time. Uh-huh. And they, they feel, and I, I'm like, are they going to feel like I'm holier than thou? And hmm. they have felt like I, their reaction is as if I'm judging them. I don't even say anything. Yeah. This judging. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I get bandanas like this that I wear. My friend made me this dress because it's a nursing dress. <laughs> um, she made it for me and I get bandanas. And so coming from my world, my husband's amazing. I am so thankful for his input in what I wear. It helps me a ton because I don't know what I look like to other people. I just, you know, do my own thing. But so I have noticed my husband said it's kind of like under the radar with bandanas. So that's what he's told me and I go with it. So I just get these like I actually this is like a handkerchief, I think, but <laughs> I get bandanas and I roll with it and I just, you know, fold them over, tie them under. And I I feel that I'm, you know, I can pray. I can talk about God. I can do everything and still feel like I'm worshiping the Lord and my head is covered and I don't look quote unquote, like a, a group, like a group of, you know, I used to do the same thing. I used to wear like a little like scarf around my neck or have a hoodie on at home. I do the same thing, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Maybe someone else has a question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for those I, questions. Those are great. Sorry. I was just going to say, Teresa, I find your comments very interesting because I was actually born in Edmonton and um, we're spending the winter in Boston, but we are planning to move to Calgary. So I would love to touch base with you sometime or if you would to connect with you. Oh, the interesting thing is I was raised a Mennonite in an Anabaptist, I guess you'd call it type of setting. And um, came to have many of the same questions like. Do you have to be an Anabaptist type of person? Anyway, so yeah, just thought I'd share that with you. But thank you for sharing very much. Yeah, thank you. And I have come to appreciate so many people from so many different backgrounds um, love and learn from them, from mm. all walks of life, all denominations, all settings of, yeah. Christians. It's just, it's been one of a, it's a, such an enriching experience. So is there anyone else that would like to share or comment? Oh, you mind if I add something? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. Okay. 
Uh, first off, I just want to say, Kayla, I can relate a lot to your testimony, um, also coming out of uh, college and kind of a broken family, not quite the extreme that you've been through, but totally get it. <laughs> um, and also, Teresa, just your comment about kind of leaving Protestant churches and exploring Anabaptist. We've been kind of going to a conservative Mennonite uh, church for the past year or so. Um, and also just feeling convicted about the head covering just on my own. <clears throat> and uh, I, we started getting goat milk from a conservative Mennonite family and really falling in love. I mean, well, I shouldn't say falling in love, but just like being really impacted by being around them and sharing time with my kids with them. Um, just having bad experiences with a lot of other women that um, profess to be Christian. And I'm not saying that uh, there aren't Christians that aren't Anabaptists. And in fact, we do have friends that would not identify as Anabaptists, but we have a lot to grow on together. And I've watched a very close friend of mine become really interested in the David Verso material just, and we went to high school together and this is catching up um, 10 years later. So it's just amazing what God can do in um, all of our lives. So we've all come from a very different background and journey and praise God. So just want to say that. Amen. Thank you. It was Caitlin. Yes. Sorry. Um, I haven't been on very much. You might, um, I've emailed some of you. So uh, where are yeah. you from? Um, I'm from Missouri, up kind oh, of in nice. the city. So I'm moving to Arkansas right now, though. We're in the process of moving our house, so a lot going on. <laughs> oh, and I hope you have a blessed move. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing your comment. It means a lot to me. Yeah, for sure. Sure. We have a comment here in the chat box that says, this is such a beautiful story, in some ways similar to mine. Thank you for sharing. It makes me happy to know that there are others in the Anabaptist faith that weren't brought up in it. I came from a past of drugs, partying, disrespecting my parents, and utterly worldly. I now go to an Anabaptist church my family loves and dress modestly and head and head and wear the head covering and have never felt more loved by Christ. So I'll share that with you, Kayla, too. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Doreen. So sorry my baby was in a little bit but wow that sounds so familiar and thank you so much yeah it's I feel so unworthy of where I am and what I've come from and I'm I'm thankful that we can there are people that you know they everyone needs Christ no matter what background and you know coming from that you are worthy of Christ <laughs> you're worthy you're worthy of his have his love and his teachings. And so, yeah, what a blessing, what a blessing. Amen. That you've chosen Christ and your family gets to witness you change. That's the biggest, that's the biggest example is you in, in their lives. So keep up. <laughs> I wanted to also share and just thank you, Kayla, for sharing your story and uh, just very encouraging. And we um, come from a, somewhat similar background uh, or church as, as what you came from and uh, moving in a different dire direction now. Um, mm. Getting closer towards y'all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so thankful for opportunities to learn uh, more about the Bible and more 
more deeply. And yes, I've just been so encouraged um, by all the teachings that we've received. And just challenging us to live out, live out the Bible radically. Um, Amen. Yeah. And I've gotten no couple more of you on here and that's just been super encouraging too. So um, (laughs) thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I encourage you that it's hard. It's not easy to leave things that you know, and especially something, you know, that can be just your root, where you've come from, what you know, and the only thing you know, like that was the only church I ever knew. That was the only thing I ever knew. So (laughs) leaving that was scary, but you know, it was a leap of faith. It's definitely a leap of faith for sure. Kayla, there's another question here in the chat box. It says, I have a girlfriend that is a daughter of a Christian, but she's struggling. How could I gently urge her to being modest, head covering, and living a non-worldly life? Wow. I wish I could talk to her. <laughs> I, yeah, what it had definitely my encouragement would be, you know, if they're struggling with like just the outward appearance of Christianity that I feel that is more radical, um, like the dress and to be more modest and to just, you know, leave any part of world. And um, there's just, it's just, even if it's, there's that scripture, I'm paraphrasing very poorly, but if it's not gonna, you know, edify Christ and, you know, it's maybe not worth the watch, but, um, I would encourage them to understand why they want to continue dressing a certain way, why it's important and to protect their body and know that their body's a temple and it should be used as such. And, I think for me, one of the biggest changes was um, my family seeing my dress <laughs> and seeing my head covering. And, you know, it impacts them a lot. It impacts them. And, you know, we're known as the conservative <laughs> um, family. And I think it's it's important, um, especially if you're trying to encourage it's just to love them. It's to love them through their weaknesses, love them through the opportunity to share Christ with them and just encourage them with scripture. You know, that was the biggest thing for me. It was like, this is, this is a command. <laughs> I need to obey this because God tells me to obey it. And so with the dress, it came later. Like the meaning for me was my children and to be modest and, you know, um, obviously being modest for Christ, but not letting others stumble by the way I looked, by the way I dressed. And it was very important for me as I'm, I now have three sons um, that I was able to wake up every day. And my children, especially with, you know, the world right now with the blurred gender lines, it's so important. It's so important that our children know, you know, what a woman is supposed to look like, what femininity is. And yeah, so I hope that can encourage you. Love them encourage them, read them scripture, and hopefully they'll come to the conviction. So I want to introduce the next talk that will be July 1st, and we will be looking to Irene Bontrager to speak on intentional Bible study 
reflect, learn, and steward. So I'm really looking forward to that inspiring talk. That'll be our first Saturday in July. So before we shut this down, Kayla, would you like to pray with all of us? Oh, absolutely. That sounds amazing. Heavenly Father God, thank you for this time to just glorify your name, Lord, to glorify what you've done in my life, Lord. Thank you for working through me, working through the women on this group to bring your word and your just your kingdom to this world, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to share what you've done in my life, God. I pray for these women that have listened, that they can be inspired and encouraged. Um, I'm thankful for you, Lord. I'm thankful for all the blessings that you give each one of us, Lord. I pray that we have a wonderful rest of our day to think about you, to be encouraged by you, and to know that you are our peace, our love, and our joy, and our everlasting. Thank you for the opportunity to be your daughter, Lord. I love you. And I pray all this to your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you, Linda. And you all have a good day. Take Take care. Bye. See ya. Thank you, Kayla. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, 